to Season 2 of Granite State Golfers with Micah. I am an avid amateur golfer in New Hampshire. This podcast dives into the stories of the top amateur golfers in my home state. We are about to tee off. Please join me. Hey everyone, welcome back to Granite State Golfers. When I started this podcast last year, there were a couple golfers I really wanted to have on the show, and at the top of the list was Dana Harity, one of the most decorated golfers in New Hampshire history. This episode features my conversation with Dana. She has had tremendous success in New Hampshire, winning 16 stadium titles over a 32-year period, and Dana has had success beyond New Hampshire winning the New England Women's Golf Association Championship, and competing in 30 USGA events. One of her biggest wins was winning the Women's Eastern Golf Senior Championship, one of the oldest and most prestigious women's amateur championships in the country. As you will hear, Dana describes herself as a type B personality, but you will also hear what a fierce competitor she is. I finally created a standalone Instagram account for the podcast. You can find the show there at Granite State Golfers Pod. I would appreciate it if you followed the show. I'm ready for the snow to melt so the courses can open soon. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Dana. Hi, Dana. Welcome to Granite State Golfers, and thanks for coming on the show today. Happy to be here. Let's just start, where did you grow up and when did you start playing golf or any other sports that you might have played as a kid? I grew up in Westport, Connecticut. I played all sports, but mostly in high school, I played softball. I played, um, we won the state championship in my junior year and there was a golf team in my senior year and I didn't leave, I didn't leave softball to go to and play golf. It, that wasn't. It, the team wasn't really established. I played softball in college at UConn. And then I left UConn and went to Florida Atlantic University and played a little bit of college golf there. So while you were playing softball in high school, um, were you playing golf recreationally with family members at that time? My dad was my dad is was a fairly good player. He was about a nine, ten handicap. My um both my grandparents, my grandfathers were very good players. I never played with them or anything, but so my interest in golf really started with my dad. I would say nobody else in my family played. Okay. Just just my dad. Yep. And so, but it sounds like it got a little more serious for you when you went down to Florida. Well, I'll I'll tell you some interesting things. Growing up in Westport, I had very, very, I had very close friends who played on the LPGA tour and the PGA tour. So Brian Clare was a very close friend of mine and he played on the PGA tour. It's unbelievable. Lynn Connolly was a very good friend of mine and she played on, she moved to Florida and played on the LPGA tour. And then um, John Cooper was another, my closest friend. Um, he became the, the head pro at Longshore uh, country club where I, where I grew up. So we had this friendship of players that, you know, w- ended up being very accomplished. Yeah. So, so it uh, was, was kind of neat. What What do you think your handicap was during your high school years? Oh, 
I didn't even break 80. I, I would say it was 15 ish. Okay. You know, um, I didn't, I didn't have a handicap. I played a little, I played in the um, state amateur at, at, in Connecticut a couple times, a few, you know, a few times growing up before I moved to New Hampshire, a bunch of times really. Yeah. And um, never did anything. N- never was, was all that good. So from Yukon, you go down to Florida, you play some golf there. Where did you go after Florida? I met Peter and moved to New Hampshire, got engaged. And I, I got engaged in 80. Let's see, we got engaged in, in 81 and the end of 81 and um, moved to I moved to New Hampshire and, you know, my golf, real golf life started. <laughs> I was lis- I was listening to your remarks when you got inducted into the New Hampshire Golf Hall of Fame uh, about that time when you met Peter and and as you said, your golf game getting more serious. Um, maybe this is a good transition. Uh, this time period is when I think in 1982, you win your first state am. You go on to win a total of 16 of those, which is just remarkable. What do you remember about that first win? In 1982. Well, you know, 1982, I I um, played in my first New England amateur, and um, in Connecticut, you they were a divided state, and I never I played public golf, so I never got to play in the New England amateur out of Connecticut. So when I moved to New Hampshire, uh, I was very excited to play in the New England amateur, and that came well a month before the state amateur. And I competed with all kinds of people that I had never competed with before. And I think I came in the top 10 and I was like, oh, you know, this is great. This is great. I I belong here. And um, so I entered the state amateur at Abenaki. And, um, you know, Peter was telling, telling me the whole time, you know, there are a lot of really good players in New Hampshire. There are so many good players in New Hampshire. And I came from Connecticut where, I mean, I had the likes of Barbara Young and, and Lida Kittycutt and, um, and there were a few other players that I really admired and were so good. And I was afraid of, and I moved to New Hampshire. I don't know anybody, you know, I don't have any fear. I don't know these people. I don't know that they're that good. So so I went into the tournament really blind, you know, and I'm not very naive. And um, I started out, I thought Abenaki is a difficult golf course. At, at the time, it was ladies par 74 and men's par was 70. And I played it as a par 70, you know, myself. But um, I think the first round... I really can't remember what I shot, maybe 75. And nobody really, you know, like burned it up or anything. And and that was exactly what I thought because I thought Abenaki was very difficult. So the next day, um, for some reason, and I don't know how it happened, but I got on a roll. And I'm standing on the 18th hole. And I put my ball on a tee and I was backing up and I, and I said to myself, geez, if you par this hole, you're going to shoot 68. 
and I never shot 68 and I never broke 70 in my life. And I'm like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't, don't think that way. Take that right, right out of your mind. Right. And of course I pull it and, and I'm got a downhill shot and the green was kind of tucked in back in those days, tucked a little bit left. And I said to my caddy, who was this kid, Mike was so cute and so nice. And I said, give me my six iron. I'm just going to, I'm just going to punch it because I had this severe downhill lie. And I hit this shot exactly how I thought I needed to hit it, but you couldn't see it was a blind hole. I was listening to the crowd go absolutely crazy. And I'm like, wow, I wonder what I just did. <laughs> and I get up there and my ball is about two inches from the hole. Wow. And I shot 67. And so I had a six shot lead. You know, I didn't get any sleep that night. <laughs> you know, I, I, who would have thought, I mean, I don't think Peter ever dreamed that I would do that. <laughs> so um, the next day, Tina Toombs was my closest competitor. And, you know, right away I was making bogeys right and left and she was catching me. And we went around the, we went around the course and I got to the 15th hole and I hit an okay drive. And it, it was a, that's a long hole. Back then we had two irons in our bags and I think I hit a two iron um, and missed the green on the left. Tina had a caddy, his name was Dickie Kennedy. And I overheard him say, we got her now. And I said to myself, I'll be damned <laughs> if I'm going to lose this. You know, I, I, it was all of a sudden it, I snapped and I, my fear went away to, and it became more confidence. I got it up and down and I had, think I had one shot lead. And on the next tee, Tina hit it in the, in the trees and I hit it in the trees, but mine bounced out. And I made par and she made bogey. And on the next hole, I made birdie and Tina three putted. And then on the next hole, I made par and won. And, you know, it's funny how things happen in tournaments that you just don't expect. Getting your first win is by far the most difficult thing ever. Well, it's amazing to hear how clearly that's a special win and, and to hear what vivid memories you still have of the tournament. You go on to uh, dominate uh, over the over a, a wide span of years. Um, I think your most recent win, uh, winning the stadium was 2014. Is that right? Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go back to the state book because I'm not really sure. You're probably, uh, I would think you're right. Um, yeah, I mean, my, I think my last win was at... 2014, I, I won at Wyndham. At Wyndham? I think that was Wyndham. And, you know, it wasn't a very memorable um, stadium. A lot of people didn't play. It was just a small field. And um, at that point, I felt as though I had, the, I had a very good chance of winning because it's very, very tight. And I hit the ball very straight. I don't hit it very far. But I hit it, I mean, you know, compared to national players. Yeah. Um, but I but I I hit it straight. So I felt as though I had a, a pretty good chance of 
of winning there. But there were a lot of others in between where it wasn't always the way. <laughs> so, um, How have you seen, you know, if you think about the, the early to mid 80s when you started playing competitively in New Hampshire to maybe even now in recent years, how have you seen women's golf evolve in that period of time? You know, I started out in, and for a long time, we used wooden woods. You know, the as equipment evolved and the ball evolved, people could hit it further and further and further and further. And, you know, today, players who are who haven't kept up with their strength fall way behind. You know, the the younger the younger kids who grew up with metal woods and um, the technology of today you know, can really hit the ball far. Yeah. Um, there was, there was one thing I did want to tell you and yeah. that was, so I won my first one, <clears throat> excuse me, in 82, in 83, I didn't play and 84 and 85, I didn't play that well. And then 86, I had a baby, so I didn't play. So in 87, we were at North Conway and I had Maggie with me and a babysitter Tina Toombs was there with her mom and Tina was playing on the LPGA tour and they had a picture of of Tina and her baby in the, in the paper. And I said to the reporter, he said, if I win tomorrow, you better put a picture of my baby and me in the paper. (laughs) And sure enough, (laughs) I have that. I have, I have all my newspaper clippings, but that one was a special. Oh, that's great. That's a good story. <laughs> and then when we played at North Conway years later, my daughter Maggie caddied for me. Oh wow. Yeah. And um we were coming down the stretch. We I was my closest competitor was Laura Shanahan. And we were coming down 18 and we both hit it on the green and I thought I was one behind. So Laura putted up and she she tapped in for a par and I had about, I don't know, a 12 footer under the hole and I hit it and I missed it, but I hit it pretty hard. So I was above the hole and I thought, oh no, oh well, you know, that was the championship. So I, you know, marked it and and I tapped in like a three footer from above the hole, very nonchalantly. Then I, I went over to shake Laura's hand and say, congratulations. And she looked at me really funny and Maggie said, Mom, what are you talking about? You're tied. I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, Laura had no shot in the playoff because I had all this new life. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but had I known that I needed to make that putt, uh, I'm probably, I don't know. Who knows what right. I would have done? Right. But it was kind of funny. So yeah. those are those are two very memorable. Those are great. Um Beyond your tremendous success in New Hampshire, you've also had great success in New England. Uh, you won the New England Women's Championship in 2014. So that was a good year. You win the State Am, you win the New England Championship. And then you've also uh, competed in, I think, 30 USGA events through your career. Yeah, yeah. Um, my USGA career was pretty cool. It you know, you, you take things for granted, traveling all around the country and meeting all of the people that I met 
um, and having such good friendships in golf. I mean, I didn't just play in USGA events. I also played in the North and South, the Eastern Amateur, the Western Amateur, um, the Florida Swing. I played in the Doherty, in Sally, and um, there, there are just a lot. I, I really did a lot of traveling and met a lot of really great people. And that's what I think is so important about golf. Yeah. Is there a particular USGA tournament that is got a great story or memory for you? In the in one mediameter, I played in Minnesota. It was right around Labor Day, and we actually had a frost delay, which is crazy. And I made it to the quarterfinals in that one. And that was the second time I had made it to the quarterfinals in an, in a national tournament. And it's so cool when you make it to the quarterfinals, when you go to the range, there are only eight people warming up, you know? So that was pretty neat. I did end up losing to the same girl that I lost earlier in the year um, in the North and South amateur when I lost in the quarterfinals. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then she got married and she quit golf. It's like, why didn't you do that last year? <laughs> but her name was Mary Burkhart. She was very nice. And then um, my first year playing in the senior amateur, I played at um, the Homestead and I made it to the quarterfinal. That tournament haunted me because I, I felt as though I could beat the girl that that I lost to. And I just got a couple of bad breaks. Every once in a while you get them in golf, you know, you th- hit it down the middle and you're in a giant divot yeah. or you hit it down the middle and it, the ball run rolls down into a downhill, you know, thick lie in the rough. And I was not a strong, strong, physically strong person. So overcoming that kind of thing was, was difficult, but those were some of my um, better events in the USGA um, tournaments. But my the year before I played in my first senior, I played in my first um, Eastern Amateur Senior. Um, it just happened that my birthday fell just right, and I won that tournament. And um, that was a really exciting thing for me. Wow. To, to win a national tournament. Yeah. Where, where was that held that year? So that that's held in Aiken, um, South Carolina, um, at Hounds Lake uh, Country Club. Okay, I just looked at a bag tag <laughs> that I had. So, so with that, all the that's pretty neat. With all the national tournaments that you you've played in, are there certain courses that have stuck with you as some of your favorites that you got to play uh, nationally? Yeah. Prairie Dunes. I played in the U.S. Amateur at Prairie Dunes. That's a really, really, really cool golf course. Uh, my friend Anne Marie Tobin made it to the semifinals, and she was pregnant, <laughs> and so that was kind of cool. That's a really that very nice. The Homestead is really, really cool. I mean, you go to this giant hotel, and Peter played in the State Amateur there. I played. I mean the the U.S. Amateur there. I played in the U.S. Amateur there, and I played in the U.S. Senior there. So that that was that was pretty cool. Yeah. Essex Essex Golf Club um, in Essex, Mass. 
I play the mid-am there, and that really is a very, very beautiful golf course. I don't nationally. I played at the Champions. I there, there's there are just a lot of great golf courses that you know I've forgotten more of them than I remember. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's talk a little bit about your game. You mentioned that you're a strength of your game is that you're a straight driver. Um, tell me other parts of your game. You know what for for people who had to compete against you. You know what do you think both from shot making and the mental the mental part of golf. Uh, what are some of the strengths of your golf game? I told you, as I told you, I'm not that strong. So I mean, I'm strong, but I'm not that strong. So I have to hit it in the fairway. I hit it low. I don't hit it. I don't, I don't launch the ball high. So playing out of the rough is not good for me. My very first state amateur, I played a pinnacle golf ball is because I wasn't that long. (laughs) Pretty amazing. But you know, I, I play a Titleist ball and um, you know, I, I think that my short game is probably better than most. I would say, yeah. Not only do I drive it straight, but you know, I'm pretty good at chipping and putting. Yeah, Chip, chipping is, you know, pr- chipping is is. I'm pretty good at that. Let's talk about what you're currently playing. One of the questions I'm asking uh, folks on the show is, "What's in the bag? Do you change out equipment much? What do you, What's in the bag as you go into the 23 golf season right now?" Well, I'm a ping player. Okay. I have played ping my whole career. Peter worked for Ping. I worked for Ping. And John Solheim is a friend. I right now have the G425 equipment in my bag, but I will have the G430 as soon as as soon as I put in my request. But um, I will. Yeah, I'll be changing out my equipment to the to the G430. Um, I understand it's just amazing. And I have always play ping from start to finish throughout my bag putters you know every once in a while i would put a different putter in my bag i go back i just i i go back to the same i i must i probably have 20 putters but and well not anymore but i got rid of a lot of them but over the years you know i go back to to a ping putter what fairway woods or hybrids not about the brand but sort of what degrees are you playing in fairway woods and hybrids so for me, and I think women in general, it's very important to, to play with a lot of loft. And I use um, a 10 and a half degree driver. And then I, I you have a four wood, a seven wood and a nine wood and a couple hybrids. And I really I start like now I started a seven iron. But, you know, when I was young, really, really young, I... I had a two iron in my bag. Everybody did. Um, Ping didn't have graphite shafts, so they only had steel. So, I mean, my equipment has evolved so much, but it's very important for me to use a lot of loft. You know, it's, loft, um, loft is forgiving. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting to see that trend um, on the PGA Tour, too, where more and more of the guys on that tour are playing with the seven wood. I'm, I love hearing other people who play with the seven wood. I added a seven wood to my bag two years ago and it's, 
probably my favorite club. And when I got to interview Tara Watt last year, she had recently put a seven wood in her bag and use, I think you, it seems to be a bit of a, a trend uh, for the men's game too, to see more, more highly lofted fairway woods for the reasons. Well, it's, you it's a game changer. I mean, you can hit a seven wood out of the rough where you're not going to hit, you know, I'm not going to hit a four wood. Right. Um, and I, you know, I, since I hit it so low, um, I, ne- I haven't used a three wood in years. Yeah. You mentioned you play with a Titleist ball. Uh, I'm asking people, how do you mark your ball? I have a blue dot next to the number. And that's how you've been doing it for a long time, I, I gather? Yep. <laughs> Peter has a green dot. I have a blue dot. Okay. I can always I can always look in my garage and, and distinguish. You know, I always have a bunch of old balls and I'm like, oh, yeah, those are all my balls. <laughs> <laughs> you get your first win at Abenaki. Am I right that your home course where you mostly play is at Abenaki? Right. Yep. Yes. I, I get, you've probably won some club championships there. So club championships are interesting. Yep. In the beginning, I played in all the club championships. Um, and then I just kind of stopped playing. You know, I think that women's club championships have kind of lost their pizzazz. I really haven't played in a club championship in, in years. Okay. Yeah. My dad is funny. He's like, Dana, how did you do in the club championship this year? I'm like, Dad, I won the state amateur. I don't think I need to play in the club champion. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, but, you know, because in his day, the club championships were, right. you know, a big deal. Yep. And he used to always ask me about the club champion. That's funny. It is. Um, it's very, very cute. Speaking of other golf courses in the state, you and your husband, Peter, own two courses, the Oaks, where I'm a proud member in Candia Woods. What has that experience of owning and operating golf courses been like for you? How has it made you maybe think about or learn about different parts of the game rather than just as a player? I keep that part. I leave that to Peter. Um, I do the merchandising at Candia Woods and the Oaks. You know, I used to sell ping, ping golf equipment. So I do all the equipment buying and all the apparel buying. As far as running a golf course or or really having a, I don't know how to say this, but Peter, Peter does, does, does the, the work at the golf courses. I, I just like, to, I just try to play golf. <laughs> <laughs> so. um, this next round I call uh, a lightning round called gimme. So short questions. Do you have a favorite course in the state of New Hampshire? Well, it would have to be Abenaki. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, Current favorite club in your bag? I would say it would be my driver. Definitely. And multiple choice on this one. Uh, would you, your favorite shot, a uh, sort of really great drive or a flushed mid iron or draining a long putt? Oh, draining a long putt. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's, there's nothing quite like it. Yeah. Do you have a favorite or you can name a couple? Uh, Favorite players on the PGA or LPGA tour that you really like right now? Jordan Spieth is my favorite by far. And then on the LPGA tour, yeah, Brooke Henderson, or I, I like the, um, the Corda sisters. Yep. I, I think they're great. 
other than that, I don't follow. I mean, I follow the PGA Tour more than the LPGA Tour. Yeah. What do you like about Spieth? I don't know. He's, I mean, I loved him when he was a winner and I just root for him. I, he's just such a likable guy. Yeah, he is. You know, he's, 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 he never gives up. Yeah. And I like that. Yeah. Do you, as we're here in March and the golf season in New Hampshire hasn't started yet, and you think about the the upcoming golf season, do you set goals or are there certain tournaments you look forward to, or how do you, how do you approach a golf season at this point in your career? Well, it's interesting that you, you asked that question because Peter was always a goal setter and he got me to become a goal setter. And one year I set out to, I used to play at Ferncroft uh, Country Club and Abenaki. And so I used to play in Massachusetts as well as New Hampshire. And I set a goal one year to become player of the year in Massachusetts. And in order to do that, I had to play in every event and win. And um, I did it. And wow. I won three I won three tournaments that year in New Hampshire, I mean in Massachusetts, and uh, played well in all in in all the others. And um, that that was a huge goal. Um, I would say that as a tournament, when the tournaments started, used to start, I would always set goals of trying to stay in the moment and play every shot. If I got mad at myself, if I, if I showed a, a bunch of emotion, it would, f- it, it was bad. It would, it would be bad for me and I would have a bad round. So so my goals were to play every shot one at a time. And um, and then as the tournament went on, you know, I would set different goals. I always would try to set a goal that was attainable, not necessarily a number. But like at North Conway um, in, 90, uh, in 87, I started with a six-shot lead. And my goal was to to increase my lead and i ended up winning by 11 wow but um so so i tried to set goals that i could you know instead of my goal being to win my you know i had to be i had i had to have a goal that was much more positive so i yeah. tried to set very positive goals yeah that's good advice yeah well to to wrap up the big question about why we play this game. And so golf's been a big part of your life. Uh, what is it about this game that draws you to it and that you love about golf so much? <laughs> well, I I like to compete at golf. I don't like to play a thousand rounds of golf. I But I like to compete. I've always liked to compete. I like to compete at softball. I am the most competitive person I know. Golf is an individual sport and you it's not like tennis where you need to play with somebody in order to, you know, you, you don't need anybody, but I had Peter and Peter made me better. He was an a personality and I'm a B personality. 
and a little bit too laid back for golf, but I got lucky and met Peter and I wouldn't be the person or the player that I am without him. That's great. Well, thank you, Dana. I really enjoyed talking with you and hearing about your story and appreciate your time and appreciate you coming on the show today. Sure. That was great. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Granite State Golfers is produced by Dew Sweeper Productions. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and leave a review. For those of us in winter climates, the season will be here before we know it. Until then, be well and LGLG. LG.